Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Radio Catskill. Welcome to the local edition, live from our studios here in Liberty, New York. We've got local news keeping you connected to Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dold. It was a beautiful day out there today. Hope you got to enjoy it. Folks, we're planting daffodils in Liberty at Creekside Park. We'll find out why coming up in the second half of the program. But first, let's start with the latest news from the Hudson Valley, which is where we start every Thursday evening at this time. We're joined on the phone by Philip Pantuso, managing editor of the Times Union Hudson Valley Bureau. Philip, thank you for being back here with us again. Oh, it's good to be with you. So I heard there was a big uh, drug bust, and they actually arrested nine men in Ellenville. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, so this was an announcement um, yesterday made by the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of New York, alongside state police and Ulster County uh, Sheriff's Office. They uh, broke up what they alleged to have been a drug trafficking operation that was bringing uh, kilogram sized quantities of fentanyl and cocaine up through New York City to the Hudson Valley, mostly to, to Ulster County, uh, to Kingston and to Ellenville, as you mentioned. Um, this, this bust was the result of a two-year investigation that, um, that ended in search warrants that were issued actually in, in January. And um, they went and seized um, like four kilograms of fentanyl, a bunch of firearms, six hundred thousand dollars in cash, um, in in various residences in Ellendale and the Bronx and White Plains back in January. Uh, but then uh, the arrests were all made on Wednesday morning after a federal grand jury handed up indictments. So, um, as you mentioned, it's nine people. They are all charged with conspiracy to distribute. And, and possessed with intent to distribute. Um, three of them were also charged with distribution itself. Um, so yeah, pretty, a pretty sizable bust. Um, the, the county sheriff, uh, Juan Figueroa compared it to, uh, an even larger one last year in New Paltz that, uh, involved 12 people, um, who were indicted after an investigation by the state attorney general and local police. Are they saying anything about um, uh, about how this was done in terms of I'm just curious if, if this is the result of any of the, the designations that we've gotten about drug trafficking in our region or any other coordinating efforts uh, between different levels of law enforcement as they try to tackle this issue? Um, they didn't say too much about the that. I mean, it is the result. It, it was a multi-agency operation. Um involving local, state, and federal uh, law enforcement. Uh, so the, um, the Ulster uh, Regional Gang Enforcement Narcotics Team was like kind of the lead here, I think, but they were, they were also coordinating on the ground with White Plains Police, Ellenville Police. Um, and these, these men, they say, were part of motorcycle gangs, but they wouldn't identify what the gangs were because they say the investigation remains active. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of seems just from, from what I was able to gather at the, at the news conference yesterday that 
these folks who were arrested and charged yesterday were probably, you know, on the lower end of, of an operation here. And, and um, you know, usually in a case like this, they will start there and then try to roll up. So um, they did say the investigation remains ongoing. So it's possible that um, there are further developments in this case. Wow. All right. And uh, in continuing talking about uh, wrongdoing, but a very different type of wrongdoing, uh, uh, Ulster County Finance Commissioner Bert Gulnick um, got in, into trouble uh, while serving as treasurer. In, and this was serving as treasurer for two organizations. But but this is a story that we've kind of been following on and off for most of this year. I think we first talked to Ulster County uh, uh, Executive Jen Metzger about this back in March. What's the latest with the Burt Gulnick story? Yeah, uh, white-collar crime this time. Also in Ulster County, though. Um, so, yeah, uh, Gulnick, he was the former uh, – he was the Ulster County Finance Commissioner until March, which is when he resigned – uh, at that point, he was facing embezzlement accusations. Uh, he was arrested and charged in June following a three-month investigation by the state police. And uh, was it on Tuesday, he pleaded guilty to two counts of grand larceny. Uh, and the plea deal um, requires him to uh, be sentenced to one to three years in state prison, which the sentencing will happen in January. So just to kind of remind readers about this or listeners about this. Um, he was accused of stealing um, $97,000 from the Hurley Recreational Association, which is a kind of recreation nonprofit in the town of Hurley, unaffiliated with the town. Every time there's a development in this case, I get a press release from the town spokesperson encouraging uh, all print media to include a statement saying that despite its name, the Hurley wreck is not affiliated with the town of Hurley. Right. Um, I think they're, they're ready for this saga to be over. Um, but anyway, he embezzled, uh, he was the treasurer for that organization and uh, embezzled, I guess I don't have to say allegedly anymore, $97,000 uh, from, from them. He also embezzled $15,000 from the reelection campaign uh, for the former Ulster County Executive Mike Hine. Um, on that campaign, he was also serving as the treasurer. He did these jobs alongside uh, his county job. So he was the, he, he was the county finance commissioner uh, starting in 2012, actually selected by Hine for that role. Um, and before that, he was the deputy finance commissioner. So, so he, he'd been working in county government for... Um, you know, more than 15 years by the time he resigned earlier this year. Okay. Well, and th so that's, that's probably the end of this now, right? And the town of Hurley can breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's the, uh, that's the end of this. And, you know, until the sentencing, um, he also has to pay back all of that money. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how able he is to do that. Um, I should also note that, there are also ongoing investigations by the state controller's office and the Ulster County controller's office into uh, the county's books, um, basically just to make sure that he wasn't embezzling any funds there as well. And those remain ongoing. Okay. And uh, in other news, uh, 
Allison Esposito is gubernatorial candidate. Gubernatorial candidate for Lee Zeldin is now launching a challenge to Pat Ryan in New York's 18th district for for the 2024 election. Uh, what do you what do you have on this? And what would was what does it mean that she was a, a, a gubernatorial candidate? She was so she was on. She was Lee Zeldin, um, you know, former Long Island congressman who mounted um, a fairly substantial challenge to Kathy Hochul last year. He, uh, Allison Esposito was Lee Zeldin's pick as lieutenant governor. So she was on the ticket, um, you know, during the stretch run and showing up at campaign stops and essentially echoing his same kind of law and order, crime and safety message, um, you know, blaming the Democrats and President Biden for the decline of society as we know it. Um, of course, Zeldin uh, and Esposito did governor. Win, so she uh, she has kind of laid low since then. Um, she was one kind of interesting thing to note is she uh, she was the first openly gay candidate for lieutenant governor in New York state history. Um, which would have made her, as far as I know, the first, um, you know, openly gay lieutenant governor. Um, so uh, she announced on Tuesday that she is running in New York 18, as, as you mentioned, um, challenging Pat Ryan, who, you know, we presume will uh, will be up for re-election. Um, she, a little background on Esposito, she is a longtime police officer. She had a 25-year career in the New York City Police Department, uh, which she quit uh, to run for lieutenant governor last year. Um, She was a deputy inspector commanding officer. I think she was overseeing a precinct in in Brooklyn um, at the time she resigned from the NYPD. And the New York Post last year uh, reported that she had previously considered a run for New York City mayor. So she's had her eye on public office for a while. Uh, People might be wondering why she's running in the Hudson Valley. Um, We were kind of wondering that, too. She is she grew up in Orange County um, and uh, with Highland Mills native. She's lived in New York City for, um, you know, for the better part of three decades but she, uh, her campaign statement says she, she lives in Goshen. Um, you know, we we actually pulled her voter registration, and, and as of late May, she was still registered to vote in New York City. So we presume uh, she moved back uh, back home to, to to Orange County, probably in advance of announcing this challenge for Hudson Valley congressional seat. Um, you know, as this is all too, uh, still all too kind of soon or real <laughs> in my memory. But uh, everybody will probably remember that all three Hudson Valley congressional races last year were pretty competitive. Um, Republicans won two. Pat Ryan uh, was the only Democrat to hold a Hudson Valley congressional seat, but it was a pretty close race. So, um, you know, I don't think it's too much of a logical leap to suggest that she probably sees this district as perhaps more winnable than, um, let's say, Brooklyn or any of the places she was living in New York City. 
Um, so we will, uh, you know, we'll see. She, she's announcing early. It's um, this campaign is not really going to heat up for another nine months or so. Yeah. Have um, you? Has there been any response from uh, Pat Ryan to the announcement of her candidacy? Yeah, we we had um, we actually updated our story a couple of times because they were sort of going back and forth at each other through the medium of the Times Union. Um, Pat Ryan, we, we, we reached out to Pat Ryan for a comment, and he called her a MAGA extremist, extremist and said that she has called for um, a national abortion ban with no exceptions for rape and incest, um, among other things he kind of slammed her for. Um, I, we did a little bit of digging, and we couldn't actually see any place where she had called for a national abortion ban. Mm. Um, and so I did a little bit of... of digging into this and um, apparently last October she did pledge to vote uh, quote for legislation to protect innocent human life from conception to not to natural death, according to a candidate questionnaire that was sent out by a long Island right to life coalition. Um, So that's, that's clearly endorsing a ban on abortion, but she did that while running for state office, not national office. So I don't really, think it's accurate to to say that she has called for a national abortion ban as uh, as congressman ryan said in his quote um she also hasn't said anything even on that questionnaire about any kind of exceptions uh to uh for for rape or incest and so her a spokesperson for her campaign kind of pushed back at pat ryan in that basically saying he inaccurately represented her stance and uh, instead that uh, Pat Ryan immediately demonstrates why the constituents of the Hudson Valley deserve better. He should be spending his time working for the hardworking families in NY18. Instead, he is wasting it, fabricating distractions and obvious lies about her beliefs. We, uh, we asked several times for, um, for uh, the spokesperson to clarify uh, Esposito's uh, stance on abortion, and he said that she... She does believe in some exceptions, but he wouldn't say what those were. All right. Well, uh, 2024 congressional races starting already in the Hudson Valley. Tell me now. Philip, we've we've only got uh, one minute. Is that enough time to give us an update on the, the wage theft complaints made by employees at a daycare? I can. Yeah, I can. I can hit this super quickly. So um, listeners might remember back in August, a, a large uh, daycare in Saugerties closed quite abruptly straining about 150 families without childcare. Um, well, our Maria Silva reported this week that the state department of labor is investigating at least 12 complaints made by employees of that daycare, former employees now, um, alleging wage theft, um, and, and unpaid wages, uh, for overtime stretching into the tens of thousands of dollars. So that's an ongoing thing and something we'll be tracking. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us again for this uh, weekly news roundup from the uh, Hudson Valley uh, Bureau of the Times Union. Philip Pantuso, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, coming up, we've got more news for you here on the local edition. We'll be talking about why folks were digging uh, holes for daffodils, planting daffodils in Liberty Day. We've got that coming up. And do remember, coming up at uh, 6.30, we've got the Daily from the New York Times. And then, of course, at 7, it's Ramble Tamble with John Gordon. Stay with us. 
This is Radio Catskill. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more local edition for you right here on your public radio station, Radio Catskill. You're listening to the local edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Here's how neuroscientist Kimberly Noble explains her research to her own child. We are trying to understand if helping kids' families by giving them more money is going to make it easier for them to do well in school and in life. Ideas on healthy brain development at every stage of life. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Friday afternoon at 1 on Radio Catskill. Hello, I'm Thane Peterson, host of Living Jazz. You know, jazz is a great improvised art form that started in America, spread around the world, and is still going strong. That's why every Saturday afternoon I bring you the best in current jazz. It's the newest, most interesting music you can hear anywhere. Join me for Living Jazz, noon to two Saturday, here on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition, news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolp, and it was a beautiful afternoon in our listening area today. I hope you got out to enjoy it. Over in Liberty, dozens of folks of all ages were gathered at Creekside Park just off of Main Street, digging in the ground because they were planting daffodils that will come up in the spring. It's all part of the Daffodil Project, which is being organized locally by Hope Blecker. To learn more about the project, their second community planting that's happening tomorrow afternoon, and the Dove Daffodil Dash that's happening Sunday. I spoke to Hope last week. All right, well, Hope, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your interest in what we're doing. Before we talk about the details of what you're doing locally, I think it'll help for people to have the concept behind this because uh, your activities this week are part of what's known as the Worldwide Daffodil Project. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct, and the mission of the Worldwide Daffodil Project is to plant 1.5 million yellow daffodils to commemorate the children who perished in the Holocaust and increase awareness of um, subsequent acts against humanity. So the whole thing is about planting daffodils, That's the, and, and then the daffodils are representing those who were lost? Yes, so they specifically chose the yellow daffodil as the symbol because it has six petals and the star that the people who are identified as Jewish had to wear when they were in the concentration camps was also yellow and had um, six points. So that is why they chose that as their symbol um, for the Worldwide Daffodil Project. Great. Let's talk about the local connection here what, with the Dove Daffodil Dash. What are you trying to do and when's it happening? We are trying to raise awareness of the um, amount of people who perished in the Holocaust. Um, for this project, it's specifically the children. And they could have been from various marginalized communities. So that's a term that we use you know, today, marginalized communities. But um, as someone said, you know, that could have been their child who was born with, you know, such and such a disease or a deformity, or that could have been someone who, you know, at a young age had a, um, was mentally unwell. So there's so much that it connects to present day that we thought that this was appropriate for 
the community to be involved in. And so we are going to be planting 250 yellow daffodils at Creekside Park in Liberty on Friday the 13th. So we are hoping it'll be a lucky day for us and not um, the unlucky Friday the 13th. Right. And um, also at that time, we will have arts materials available at Creekside Park so that people can express themselves with our theme of hope, sanctuary, compassion, and community, because those four words also relate to the current um, community where people live, work, and reside. So uh, we went with those four words, and we have that with the connection to the Worldwide Daffodil Project. So on Friday, people can plant and do some art, and those canvases will be collected and then put on display in 2024 at the Liberty Museum and Art Center. Well, just to remind people again what, what the timing is, if they want to come out, just remind them where and when again. So it is 3 o'clock at Creekside Park. It's the park behind the stage um, off of Main Street, uh, Caddy Corner to Lepope Park in Liberty. And we will be there from 3 to 5. And that's not far from the elementary school. It seems like Correct. Yeah, as much as this project is standing as a living memorial to the children that were killed in the Holocaust, you also want to involve contemporary young people in these projects. A hundred percent. We anticipate students coming from the um, local schools and the uh, Liberty Public Library has a display of different books and movies and materials also related to our four-word theme and to the Holocaust. So for Sunday now, what's the form of that? That's going to be a little bit different. It's a different place, right? Yes. Sunday at noon, we are meeting at Arthur's Acres Animal Sanctuary, 89 Aaron's Road in Parksville. And we will be gathering at noon and then taking off, so to speak, at 1230 to walk from Arthur's Acres Animal Sanctuary to Creekside Park. It's about 2.3 miles. We'll have bottles of water donated by the Sullivan Catskills Visitors Association, and people will be receiving yellow bandanas with an emblem on them. And we chose that location because they recently participated in the Dove Project, and their Dove is dedicated to peace, love, and pigs, and the rescue work that they do there. And also, as Todd Friedman, the founder of Arthur's Acres, said, you know, they rescue animals at their sanctuary that others considered unfit or runts of the litter or not deemed worthy of living. And he, you know, in conversations with him, therefore, that was a fitting place to begin our dash. And we will conclude it where we will have planted the, the bulbs on Friday. I get it now. I find it's all coming together. This is a dove daffodil <laughs> dash because you're dashing from that dove to where you planted the daffodils. Exactly. And we hope it's the first of um, others that can happen. We have Rose Barnett of Arrowhead uh, Ranch and Horse Rescue is um, looking to be a spot to have the daffodil garden in 2024. And then we have Salmon Service Center is interested in hosting in 2025. So it looks like we have interest and can sustain this meaningful project for our community. And really, as you said, it is symbolic um, and uh, embracing the people who currently live in our community. Now, 
this is just part of the story, though, because there you're putting the daffodils in the ground now. The other part of this story is when the daffodils spring up in the springtime and people get to see them. Are you doing anything with this project on that end once the daffodils are up or people just like appreciate, you know, how great they look and, and what they represent? So we do hope that people will appreciate them and that the blossoms signify that life has continued and that the current people who are viewing the daffodils are like the gardeners of the history and continue, um, you know, sharing the, the message. The other part is we will be having an exhibit at the Liberty Museum and Art Center in spring 2024 where the canvases that people create and we have students who will be uh, doing photos and working on art projects uh, through the uh, arts department and the teachers in Liberty. And those will be compiled into what we're calling a community tapestry. And that will be on display at the Liberty Museum and Arts Center, as well as we um, recognize the age of some of our residents in Sullivan County who are survivors of the Holocaust. And we do have two people who will be having a meet and greet so that they will truly be sharing their personal stories with the um, community. Hope, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And there are so many Liberty connections that we can make with this project, as well as the greater Sullivan County. And it will, there will be more daffodils planted in Monticello before the end of the month. And we look forward to, um, you know, the community, unity, and sense of friendships that can evolve from a project like this. Now, of course, since I spoke to Hope last week, the terrorist attacks in Israel occurred, followed by the resumption of war in Gaza. So I went to Creekside Park this afternoon to see how they were doing and, and also to ask Hope if these events have impacted her efforts with the Daffodil Project. So definitely the timing is uh, connected and what to what has happened in recent events that was not planned at all. Um, and that is a sad coincidence as far as we're concerned. The symbolism and the layer of symbolism for this project remains that innocent people have lost their lives and they no longer have a voice. And we have so many people here who find that... Um, topic worth coming out today and doing it and we have children and people of all ages so we are again here commemorating people whose lives have been lost and i was just wondering for the listener if you could just describe what we're seeing here from what people are doing down here to what the folks are doing over here just give us a quick rundown so we have parents and community members and students side by side digging and getting their hands in the dirt. They are digging the trench so that we can plant the daffodil bulbs, yellow daffodil bulbs, point up. We have people here from Sullivan 180 who are helping, teaching us how to plant and from the Liberty Garden Club all the way down the path at Creekside Park to um, community members with canvas and paints and markers expressing hope, sanctuary, community and compassion. They're actually writing peace down in different languages? So we have peace in different languages, we have love in different languages, and they are expressing kids have made rainbows and smiles, and the adults are taking canvases and sitting next to each other, and it's really beautiful to see people who did not know each other five minutes ago talking and working on something like this together. And, and what's going to happen with that artwork again? So the artwork is going to be displayed at the Liberty Museum and Arts Center in May, June 2024. 
and that'll be about the time that the daffodils are coming up. Yes, so we timed it perfectly. We hope it's also in connection with Yom HaShoah, which is Holocaust Remembrance Day. So that is why we are picking that time span. Well, Hope, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing here today. I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk to us about this and contextualize it a bit. My pleasure, and I hope that everybody who is listening um, will come and participate either when the next Daffodil Garden Project is next September, October 2024, and come check out the exhibit at the museum. And you'll be doing this here again on Friday afternoon, right, at, yes. at 3, and then, of course, the Dove Daffodil Dash is Sunday. Yes, Sunday at noon, we are meeting at Arthur's Acres Animal Sanctuary, and then at 12.30, we will take our first steps and walk from Parksville into Liberty. Okay, great. Well, thanks again. My pleasure. Folks will be in Creekside Park again tomorrow afternoon starting at 3, planting daffodils and working on art projects. The community is invited to join. More information about the Dove Daffodil Dash and the daffodil plantings on the Town of Liberty New York Facebook page. That's going to do it for the local edition tonight. Coming up at 7, we've got Ramble Tamble with John Gordon. Before that, we've got the latest news from NPR and The Daily from The New York Times. This is Radio Catskill. Radio Catskill supporters include SUNY Sullivan, a community college in the Sullivan Catskills focused on preparing students for the future. More information at sunysullivan.edu. Livingston Manor, dining, shopping, and the arts at the Gateway to the Catskill Park. LivingstonManorNY.com. And listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org. You're listening to Radio Catskill, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello.